As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam, hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. With questions and participants from all around the world. That on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is I missed this shot, I'll walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for $1 a month for six months. It's a great deal. Lots of great content out there. There is a, a piece that was written by a ton of NBA writers, including myself. I don't know that I'm an NBA writer, but I'm definitely an NBA podcaster. We talked about every single team and what the biggest surprises were. To find out what the biggest surprises were, go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and you can get a special rate by doing that with me as always for this saturday slam and jam is my good friend alex spears alex tell me what happened in the nba this week andrew it all started last friday night when the portland trailblazers beat the new york knicks in overtime 132 to 129 the blazers are still without damian lillard who is dealing with a calf strain but for one night at least it did not matter jeremy grant scored a career high 44 points and anthony simons added 38 of his own the blazers followed up that win with a three-game losing streak and are now 11 and 8 sitting at 10th in the western conference the good news for blazers fans is that Portland has had one of the most difficult schedules in the league so far, and that schedule begins to ease up soon, and Dame is targeting this Sunday for his return. On Saturday, let's check in on the Rockets, Andrew, a team we haven't talked about much this year. (laughs) The Rockets got their second straight win of the season and their fifth overall on Saturday with a dominant 118-105 victory over the Thunder. Jalen Green, who scored 28 in the game, is averaging 21-4-4 on the season, while Alperin Shengun put up 21-19 with seven assists, three steals, and two blocks. It's also been an encouraging stretch for number three overall pick Jabari Smith Jr., who has averaged 16-7 over his last five while shooting 45% from three on almost eight attempts per game. Ooh. That's pretty nice. Now on Sunday, the Boston Celtics beat the Wizards 130-121. These Celtics are 18-4 on a five-game winning streak 
and have scored 125, 122, 130, 140, and 134 in those five games. If you're wondering whether the Celtics are the number one offense in the league, they are! Very good guess. <laughs> According to Cleaning the Glass, the gap between the Celtics and the second-ranked offense, which is Denver, is bigger than the gap between Denver and the 12th-ranked offense, the Nets. And as many have pointed out, the Celtics, as a team, are currently shooting 50-41-85. As Tom Haberstroh pointed out on Twitter, the Celtics are basically Kevin Durant in team form with their current levels of efficiency. On Monday, the Lakers were back home after two consecutive wins in San Antonio, hoping to continue the trend against the Indiana Pacers. The Lakers played well for most of the game and were up 101-84 to early in the fourth quarter with a three-game winning streak, only a stretch run away, Andrew. The Pacers, however, had other ideas, rallying back to tie the game with 40 seconds left. LeBron then hit a go-ahead floater with 21 seconds left, but the last shot of the night would belong to rookie <laughs> Andrew Nemhard. Yes. After Miles Turner missed a wide-open three at the top of the key, Tyrese Halliburton grabbed the rebound, passed it to Nemhard, who nailed the game winner at the buzzer. The Pacers, who had a preseason over-under of 24-and-a-half, are now 12-and-8, halfway there, fourth in the East. On Tuesday, the Los Angeles Clippers continued their weird season. They beat the Blazers 118 to 112 in Portland, getting 32 points from former Blazer Norm Powell. The Clippers are 13 and 10, fifth in the West, despite getting 21 out of it 46 possible games from Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Despite having the second worst offense in the league, worse than the Spurs, Houston, and Orlando, despite being the only top eight team in either conference with a negative point differential, how are they doing it? Well, part of it is having the fourth-ranked defense, according to Cleaning Glass, led by center Ivica Zubats, who, in a game against the Pacers this week, put up 31-29. and 29. The Clippers continue to overachieve while forever waiting for the team they actually did this all for to play games together at some <laughs> point. On Wednesday, the Suns beat the Bulls 132-113. The story of the game was Devin Booker, who put up a masterful 51 points in only three quarters of play, those 51 points were scored only 48 hours after Booker dropped 44 on the Kings. The Suns have been a, on a heater as of late, winning six in a row as they establish themselves as the best team in the West at 15-6. and six. Best team in the league, though? That will have to be decided next Wednesday night when the Suns face off against the 18-4 Boston Celtics Ooh. on ESPN. Finally, on Thursday, there was only one game. Mavs at Pistons. Not the sexiest game, to be honest. Cade Cunningham <laughs> remains out. But who needs Cade when you have Killian Hayes? That's right, baby. That's right. <laughs> Killian Hayes scored 14 of his 22 points in the fourth quarter in overtime, including back-to-back -back threes in overtime to beat the Mavs 131 to 125. The Mavs, they are now 10 and 11, having lost five of their last six and currently sit outside of the play-in in the 11th spot. It was a uh, tough week for Mavs fans, so if you want a glimmer of hope, the Mavs were only 11-10 and 10 at this point last season yep. before their big turnaround. And according to Cleaning the Glass, they are currently one of only seven teams in the league with a top-half offense and defense. That's something, right? No, that's pretty cool. What a week it was, Andrew. Lots of fun weeks in the NBA. The, the last couple of weeks were, were pretty fun. We're, we're going to talk to uh, John Krasinski here shortly about the Minnesota Timberwolves and Depending on if you're an, an outsider looking in or if you're a fan, maybe it's fun, maybe it's not. I don't know. Uh, we'll figure that out later. 
One thing that is fun is the Cleveland Cavaliers, who I just want to talk about their pick and roll offense. That's just what I want to talk about. But I want to give you just some overall stats on the team. They currently sit at third in the Eastern Conference. They're 14 and eight. A 6.9 point differential. That's third best in the NBA. They've been really good. They did have that slump where they lost five in a row. But since then, they've gone uh, six and two in their last eight. Last season, just for context on their offense, they were 20th. They finished 20th in offense last season at a 111. So far this season, they're seventh in offense at a 114.3. And a lot of that is because of the of the pick and roll offense that they've run. They run the fourth most pick and rolls in the NBA. That's nearly 21.5% of their possessions. They're scoring 1.02 points per possession in those actions. That's better than every single team in the league, except for the Mavericks, who run just about half the number of pick and rolls that they do. In fact, the Mavericks are bottom five in pick and roll frequency. They have an effective field goal percentage of 55% out of the pick and roll. Second to the Mavs again, but again, at half the frequency. But maybe this is, maybe this is a good thing for the Mavs. Maybe this is just like a Mavs segment in disguise. I don't know. Like, congratulations, Mavs. You're doing pretty good on a low frequency there. But just looking at the individuals, they're just sharing the court really well. And I think they have a lot of improvement they can make from here. But Donovan Mitchell has been dominant in the pick and roll. He runs as a pick and roll ball handler, the six most pick and roll ball handler possessions in the NBA. 1.17 points per possession for Mitchell out of those actions, which is by far one of the best numbers in the league. Uh, Darius Garland runs the fourth most pick and roll possessions as a ball handler at 0.94 points per possession. And then their partners with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are just crushing it. Evan Mobley is 1.23 points per possession as a pick and roll big man. And Jared Allen is 1.21 points per possession as a pick and roll big man. These combinations are just outrageous. And when you look at the lineup data, it's not all coming together quite yet. You look at Donovan Mitchell and Evan Mobley, they're a plus 1.9 net rating. Like that's that's fine. Like it's it's good, obviously positive. Mitchell and Jared Allen are a plus 6.5. So that pairing has really worked, but Allen has been out with a back problem recently. All this to say, like this to me is kind of a juggernaut of a team that's like waiting to emerge. They still have young players that are improving. If they're showing this after just a short start, I mean, we're a quarter of the way through the season and they're already proving to be one of the best pick and roll ball handling teams in the league. Plus you have the improvements from Evan Mobley has been outrageous. In the pick and roll, he's he can pop or roll out. The, the three ball hasn't fallen a whole lot this season, but he's still a threat to take those shots. And the patience that that Donovan Mitchell shows is really pretty unique uh, and not something that I remember a, a ton in Utah. Garland is willing to run off ball. Mitchell is really willing to run off ball. Just the way that they operate, they don't look like a team that is trying to get to know each other. To me, they look like a team that is just starting to scratch the surface of like how great they can be. And so like you look at those high-level stats earlier where they're seventh in offense, second in defense. Like that's that's a resume of a very good team. And you can see why it's working so well offensively is that they're all willing to work together and all these parts are just, they're very, very interesting. And they're not even hitting their ceiling. Like I think Allen and Mobley aren't even a positive when they're on the court together so far. And to me, this is just encouraging signs from the Cleveland Cavaliers, from 
JB Bickerstaff and his what his team has done so far. I'm just intrigued with the Cavs, man. I just I like what they've done. Well, I have some uh, some some other news that will kind of support that. Um, Krishna Narsu on Twitter at knarsu3 mm-hmm. posted a much more in depth strength of schedule table that takes into account injuries, rest, COVID, all these things. So as an example, they say that you know the Nets playing the Sixers without Embiid, Harden, Maxi isn't given the same score as Boston playing Philly full strength. Yeah. Okay. On this strength of schedule chart, the Cavs have had the seventh toughest strength of schedule so far this season. More importantly, to your point about how good they've been in the pick and roll, they've had they've faced the second toughest group of defenses in the yeah. league. Like they were able to break it down that way. So that's exciting. Like when a team is excelling or or staying at the top of the conference, even when they're in the toughest part of their schedule. Yeah. That's really exciting because as that schedule eases up, you expect they're going to start running off some, some big time winning streaks. Look out for the Cavs, man. Watch out for them. Cause a lot of, Look out. most people are, have their eyes focused on the bucks and the Celtics as they should. Like those teams are great. But if you're thinking of a team, like who, who else in the East could possibly upset? And a lot of people focus on other teams for whatever reason, but don't sleep on the Cavs. That would be my plea. Do not sleep on the Cavs. Well, uh, for my segment, Andrew, I have a bunch of odds and ends. Ooh. Odds and ends to get into. Give me some odds and ends. Uh, first, an update on our championship tracker. Now, mm-hmm. uh, loyal listeners will remember that uh, about a month ago, it was actually after five games in the season, I wanted to see, like, does, does it matter what your record is five games in the season? Mm-hmm. And then I started finding all these other things that all these other characteristics that were shared by all the eventual NBA champions in their year. And I went back as far as 1971 and they all had these traits. So for example, no NBA champion has ever started out one and four or zero and five in their first five games. So based on that, Hey, we cross off Philly and Brooklyn. We already did this. So don't worry. Don't get mad now. Get out of here. Go back and listen to the past and get mad. Don't get mad at me now. The other thing I found out, no NBA champion has ever started out three and seven or worse in their first 10 games. Well, based on that, crossing off Golden State, Andrew, feel, feels a little scary, but I did it. Cross them off. Hey, light years ahead of the of, of the pack of crossing them off. Hey, yeah. And to be fair to them, this next stat, no champion has ever had worse than the eighth best odds to win in the preseason. The team that had the seventh best odds and was the only team to ever have the seventh best odds was the Golden State Warriors. So, mm-hmm. you know, the Warriors could buck the trend again. But based on that stat, I crossed off Denver, Lakers, Memphis, yep. Cleveland, yep. New Orleans. And it got us down already after 10 games to five teams that are still matching the history of NBA champions. And those are Boston, Milwaukee, Clippers, Phoenix, and Miami. Well, I have an update for you, Andrew, because... Now we're 20 games in the season, quarter of the way done. I wanted to see, okay, are there any trends after 20 games? So I did the same thing. I went back, back to 1971. No NBA champion has ever started out 9 and 11 or worse after 20 games. Interestingly, there's been only one team to start off worse than 12 and 8, and that was the 2006 Miami Heat, who were 500 after 20 games, 10 and 10. Every other team was at least... The hodgepodge heat. Every other team was at least 12 and 8. But yeah. even taking that 10 and 10, we'll, we'll take that into account because they did it. They still won. 
Well, guess what? That crosses off the Miami Heat of this year. Get out of here, Heat. after 20. Go home, Heat. So now they are out. So just to update you, we are now down to four teams. And is Boston, Milwaukee, Phoenix, and the Clippers. The Clippers who hung on because they were... Two and three Unreal. in their first five. Honestly, almost one and four. One of the biggest accomplishments in Clippers history, right here. Just, just hanging on by a thread. <laughs> After twenty games, they were eleven and nine. Yeah, you know, just keeping pace. Woo. Woo. But I have to, I have to still include them. So we've got it down to four. Uh, actually, I just saw a thing. Uh, I think it was from Shams that uh, Kawhi and PG are back at practice. They're back in practice. <laughs> I saw that too. I was about to bring that up. It's Who it's knows? perfect they, timing. Maybe, maybe they'll turn it around here. And and they'll they'll continue this trend, uh, but yeah. So just to update everyone, that's where we're at. We got four teams left. The other thing I wanted to update us on is Andrew. You might remember before the season when the schedule came out, we made some predictions about some early season storylines. Yeah. Okay. And I just wanted to review them real quick, just because you know we'll be honest. You know, Uh-oh. if we had a bad take, Uh-oh. let's just admit it. Let's just get it out there. Uh-oh. Accept it. Okay, so uh, one of mine was that Russell Westbrook will be traded by November 1st. Obviously has not happened. Arguable on whether it should have happened or not. Uh, So, you know, I don't feel terrible about that prediction. (laughs) I do feel terrible about the Minnesota Timberwolves being the number one team in the league after 10 games. Yeah, Not looking good, but we'll discuss that with John Krasinski coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrew, do you remember your predictions? You said once we hit January, Mm -hmm. John Morant will be the leading MVP candidate. Yep. Uh, not feeling now, as good about that, but still got time. And less about Ja, more just about, you know, guys like Jason Tatum or Steph Curry, kind of Giannis, you know, just, just being amazing. He's having it's, a great season. It's not season. like Ja's had a bad season. No, yeah. he's had a great season. But yeah, he's uh, not he's not standing out above above the rest of those guys. Your other one was as we hit the halfway mark of the season, the Clippers will be odds on favorite to win the championship. Let's you know what? Let's hold off on that one. Uh, Could still be the case. Still time. <laughs> still time. The uh, refer back to the report that we have Paul George and Kawhi in practice. That's right. Uh, now the entire reason why I'm bringing all of this up at all mm-hmm. is because my fifth prediction, Andrew. Oh no! And I I claim this to be. As amazing as when I picked the Cleveland Cavaliers last year mm-hmm. for uh, for the surprise team. Yeah. I predicted that the San Antonio Spurs will have their longest losing streak under Greg Popovich by December. Yep. By December. And guess yep. what, Andrew? In their very last game, oh they lost gosh. their ninth in a row just before December 1st, which means the Spurs officially had their longest losing streak under Greg Popovich. Ding, ding, so, ding. Wow. I uh, just wanted and to pat was, myself on the back. And it was dicey because was they played. Dicey. They had 77 points against the Thunder in the first half. and it Their looked highest like, scoring first half, uh, any half of the season. Yeah, it looked like they were about to cruise because SGA was sitting and the Thunder were looking like garbage, but... Uh, Jalen Williams, rookie of the month in the Western Conference, to the rescue for you, Al. That was all for you. Amazing, amazing. Um, okay, last thing I want to talk about this week is uh, the Mavericks. I, I mentioned them at the beginning. I've been thinking about them a lot, Andrew. They've been because they've been terrible recently. They've lost five of six, including a particularly bad loss on Thursday to the Pistons that we we talked about. Yeah, just, just Ma- weird, just really weird stuff. It's very weird. And the Mavs fan base is reacting, you know, mixture of anger and depression. You know, they're wondering, Mm -hmm. is the franchise wasting Luca's career? Is he going to ask out, Andrew? Uh, In a radio appearance on Thursday, the GM, Nico Harrison, was talking about 
uh, Kemba Walker's knee, who he just signed. And his direct quote is, it's not good. It's not good at all. That was the start of the quote. So that's some of the things that happened. Uh, Dev in the lab on Twitter, he's exposing Luca's constant palming of the ball that never gets called. That was, you know, J- that Jalen was Brunson, really funny. Yeah. Jalen Brunson's having a nice season in New York. All hey. of that in yeah. combination with the happy memories of how last season ended mm-hmm. with the Mavs reaching the conference finals. It's understandable that Mavs fans are upset right now. And I get it. In many ways, they're experiencing the same range of emotions that Hawks fans experienced after they made their surprise run to the conference finals in 2021 or Blazers fans when they made their surprise run to the conference finals in 1819. When your team has a magical run like that, that wasn't expected. It's almost inevitable that the next season is going to be a disappointment. Mm -hmm. And then you add in the loss of a player like Jalen Brunson and what's happening right now should almost be expected. You know, a few about a month ago, we were talking about uh, the Mavs and I mentioned that Tim Cato wrote in an article on the athletic near the beginning of the season that this was always likely going to be a transition year. Knowing that, however, and actually living through it is is a much different experience, mm-hmm. which I understand. Yeah. But the more I've thought about the Mavs, Andrew, I've gone from wanting to rip Nico Harrison and Mark Cuban for their mismanagement of this team mm-hmm. with a generational star to wanting to actually offer up a mild defense of this front office. I didn't think this is where I'd end up, Okay. but let me explain myself. Okay. Again, it's a mild defense. Listen, they screwed up the Brunson thing. It's bad. Yeah. But for people talking about this team needs to make a move, they need to to shake it up. Why compound that mistake by trying to make a big in-season move when you're not in a great position to do so? When you're in a transition season, when your assets are limited because of that Knicks pick that's going out this season. Yeah. Yes, it sucks that Luca's not being optimized right now, but he's in year one of a five-year deal. He's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Why make a panic trade now when everything is setting up for this summer? Don't do it. Dwight Powell, Christian Wood come off the books. Spencer Dinwiddie and Reggie Bullock will be expiring contracts at that point. Tim Hardaway Jr., Davis Bertans down to two years left, which still is a lot. <laughs> After that Knicks pick conveys, they will be able to trade their 24, 26, and 28 first with swaps in 25 and 27, the exact kind of package for a superstar that now happens every single summer. Mm-hmm. So I get it. It's not fun right now what they're going through. But I almost, I would tell Mavs fans to embrace the disappointment because it was kind of to be expected. You always kind of knew that it was going to be very hard for this team to come even where close to what they did last season, which was super impressive and probably a little bit ahead of its time. You just kind of have to wait it out and hope that this front office can prove something to you this summer. Now, to be fair, like they have to prove something to you this summer because again, it does feel like it's all setting up for a big move this summer. If they come back next season with a very similar roster, that will be upsetting. And at that point, I, I will I will go insane on mm-hmm. the podcast and I will yell, Andrew. Yeah. But if you want to get a if you want to get a little extra cheeky, Andrew, just look at the standings. Did you notice that the Mavs are in the 11th spot in the reverse standings yeah. and that that Knicks pick is top 10 protected? Yeah. I'm just throwing it out there because we've been talking about the Chicago pick conveying the Los Angeles Lakers pick con- conveying mm-hmm. the maps are right there, Andrew. And this is a weird Western conference. Somebody's going to end up in the 11th spot. Yeah. That doesn't feel like they should be. I don't know if something starts to go wrong for the Mavs, <laughs> should they lean into it? When no, you have a generational no, star no. in the I, draft, Andrew? I don't, I don't think they will. I mean, they have the sixth best point differential in the Western conference, you know, 
I think there's some. I think there's just some wacky stuff going on. I mean, you even look at last season. They started last season twelve and thirteen. You know, they're at December tenth and totally. they're twelve and they're twelve and thirteen, and then they went on I a th- run. They looked a lot better. I think. I think there's still some potential there for them. I do to too, get but, better and but to write the ship. Tim Cato wrote a great article explaining why there's a difference between last year and this year, and it's because if you remember last year, Luca started off so sluggish. He was so yeah. he started off so slow. There was all the MVP hype coming in that season, and then he just started off, and it was like, what is going on with Luca? The opposite is happening this year, where he's playing about as well as you could expect him to play. Yeah, and so yes, you could get some improvement from three from guys like Dorian Finney Smith or Tim Hardaway Jr. Yeah. But you're not going to get that like gigantic jump from a player of Luca's caliber and you remove Jalen Brunson from the scenario. So I kind of understood his point about yes, that the records are similar, but it is a much different story. Now they could still go on a second half run with this current group, but it still feels like the ceiling is going to be a little bit capped compared to last year. Yeah. I think like Maxi Kleba is going to play better and is going to shoot better. And I think Dorian Finney-Smith will shoot better eventually. I don't know about THJ. I, th- I mean, he had a good game the other night, but I don't know. Reggie Bullock, too, has been rough. And yeah, I just think, I think that, to me, those things will get better. And the fact that you have a positive point differential, too, like that's it's, – it's weird because there's not a lot of teams in the West that do. So I just, I just think that they can – I think they'll write the ship. I think they'll figure it out. I wouldn't stress. I think they'll make the I think they'll be in the play in. I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but you know, I think Which is a disappointment, but at the same time, if we acknowledge that this is a transition year. Yeah. And we keep our eye towards this summer. I I I don't know. I, I just hope that Mavs fans make it through this year because it's getting dark <laughs> on Mavs Twitter and I just feel bad for them. Speaking of things are getting dark. We're going to talk to John Krasinski about the Minnesota Timberwolves right after this break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Andrew, it's time once again for the Wheel of Fandom. It's been two weeks since we spun the wheel, and two weeks ago, the wheel landed on the Minnesota Timberwolves. And in the last two weeks, Andrew and I have experienced one of the most violent fan roller coasters we've ever been on. It started off with the Timberwolves continuing to add to a two-game winning streak by making it a five-game winning streak, beating Philly, Miami, and Indiana. The Wolves were 10-8. and eight. Things were looking up. The season was turning around, Andrew, but then the Wolves went to Charlotte and lost to Kelly Oubre Jr. Then they lost two more for good measure, losing by a combined 38 points to Golden State and Washington. To make matters worse, Carl Anthony Towns strained his calf in the Wizards game, is now out for four to six weeks. But in their lowest moment, there was hope again because the Wolves finished off this roller coaster with a 109-101 victory over the Memphis Grizzlies. After all that, the Wolves sit at 11-11, ninth in the West, 
with the 18th ranked offense and the 10th ranked defense. Andrew, if the Wolves are our favorite team, who is our guest? I had to get my guy, John Krasinski, on the podcast. John, what's up, man? What's up, guys? How's it going? You just have you've lived the roller coaster life with the Timberwolves for a long time. So I was like, we got this is like the only choice that we have. John. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as long as you know, I, I will say a lot of the times the roller coaster only goes down here. Yeah, so to true. even get some ups is kind of nice. So we'll, we'll take <laughs> that here. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, the Wolves made a franchise altering trade last summer, trading for Rudy Gobert. And the acclimation period has been rocky to start the season. Uh, thinking back to your initial thoughts on the trade, has anything about how they've struggled surprised you? I guess so. I, I did expect them to struggle uh, coming out of the gates, trying to figure out how to play kind of an unconventional way with two bigs, Towns and Gobert and and doing all that. So I wasn't expecting them to just you know, bull rush the league as soon as the, the season opened. But I will say the one thing that has surprised me about the ups and downs is it does seem like sometimes the downs have been exacerbated, not exactly by scheme clunkiness or, or, you know, fit issues, but more of competitiveness and of um, intensity. And, and so we've seen them lose games to the Knicks at home, the Spurs at home, um, even, even their losses to the wizards and the warriors, uh, sometimes they've, they've just not played hard enough. And, and I think that that to me has been a disappointment on, uh, on occasion this year is just the, the edge that they played with so much of last year, it hasn't been around in, in some of their lowest moments this year. And that's been a big concern. Yeah. The wolves were up and down in the early start of the season last year as well, but eventually found ground in the second half of the season. Do you have confidence that the team issues can eventually be ironed out by Finch and his staff? Or do you think that there's just more changes that need made to the roster first? You know, I, I do have confidence. I just think there's so much talent top to bottom on the roster that I think that they can figure things out and, and find some sort of common ground and figure out how to defend with towns, but then also how to make it harder on offense with, with Gobert and towns against uh, opposing defenses. So I'm of the mind that they will figure this out, that they will kind of get going and be more consistent. The one thing I do wonder about though, is where, what is their ceiling? Um, I, you know, I, I kind of thought that this was a team that if they, if everything fell into place the right way that, Hey, maybe they could make a Western conference finals run. Maybe they could, you know, uh, a really kind of move up the, the Western conference ladder and be, you know, in the top three seeds or so three or four seeds and have home court advantage in the first round that at least this season seems like more of a long shot. So um, they seem more like a, just a playoff team and then maybe the right matchup you could win around. But, um, but I think that uh, exactly how far they can go with this current construction without some, some roster tweaks uh, that, that uh, I'm, I'm a little more down on, on the, on the high end prospects of what this group can do. One of the things that sticks out when looking at the team stats for the Wolves is their struggles in transition. Uh, according to Cleaning Glass, they are 26th in transition offense and 25th in transition defense. Meanwhile, they are 11th in half-court offense and 4th in half-court defense. What are some of the factors contributing to those transition woes? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the the clear and obvious thing is that they have two big men that don't move quickly. Um, you know, on defense, Gobert and Towns are slow getting back up the floor to get into defensive positioning when there's a turnover or a missed shot that that creates a, a breakout situation for the other team. And so you see a lot of times where the, the opposing offense will get down the floor quickly, beat their, everyone else down the floor for easy layups or wide open threes in transition. So that's been a big issue for them. And then offensively, um, they're not creating a lot of transition opportunities because they haven't been good rebounding. Um, they were, you know, getting Rudy Gobert um, with the, the best rebounder rim protector in the league was supposed to shore up one of this team's real weaknesses from last year, which was defensive rebounding. They were 28th in the league last year in defensive rebounding. They could not end possessions and having Gobert was supposed to fix that. Gobert is one of the top two or three rebounders in the league this year. So individually he is doing his job. Job, but they are not getting enough other team rebounds. And so uh, they're getting hammered on the offensive glass all of the time. And so they're really having a hard time uh, ending possessions and then creating offense in transition the other way. And so um, those have been two huge bugaboos for them so far uh, and two really big reasons why they're at where they're at right now and not not further up the standings. A lot of people were expecting a pretty big leap from Anthony Edwards this season, um, including Alex and I. We targeted him as a first-time All-Star. What are your early season thoughts on Edwards' play? And then what do you see as the main areas of development that are needed for him to take the next step? Yeah, I mean, first of all, yeah, I think that everyone was really looking forward to him really taking a John Morant-like third-year leap. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't, he has not been nearly consistent enough so far. Um, you know, you, you, you kind of forget that he is only 21. And so that some of this is just learned behavior. Um, yeah. but, uh, but you're seeing, you know, nights where he looks really, really good and overpowering and that, that kind of galvanizing force that you expected on both ends. And then there are other nights where maybe it's the second night of a back-to-back, maybe it's an afternoon game, maybe it's, you know, uh, against a team that isn't, uh, you know, a high, uh, a, a ticket selling, uh, team and, and Edwards is sort of not there as much. Um, I think there's a couple of things that contribute to that. One is that just the emotional maturity, just learning the league and being more consistent that way. And, and I think that will come along in time. He also showed up to training camp. Um, and he, he himself says that he was a little overweight that he kind of went back home for a little break before camp began and he put on some weight. And I think he's been struggling to get into top shape um, since then. And, and so he's just been just a titch less explosive than he normally is. And, and so that's, that's been something. And I do think finally in of all of the players trying to adjust to this new Gobert Towns front court, he's had one of the most difficult times. There is not as much room to operate with the two big men there. It's there's there has not been as much spacing, and so he has found it more difficult to get to the rim and wreak havoc there than I think he expected. And part of it is having two bigs um, on on the floor at the same time. The other part is. The Wolves are shooting, I think, about 11 or 12 fewer three-pointers per game this season than they than they did last year. And so opponents are not as stretched out 
um, around the floor as they were last year. And that means there are fewer driving lanes. There's more traffic at the cup. And that's um, that has frustrated Edwards a little bit. And he's trying to work through that and find his spots to be competitive and, and, and to have success that way again. And so that's all been a very big learning curve for him as well. I'm glad you brought up the three-point shooting because in your initial write-up on the Gobert trade, you wrote, the Wolves are making this deal in the hopes that it helps maximize both of their best players. The trade will probably result in Towns returning to more of a volume three-point shooter. And while he has taken slightly more threes than last season, he's nowhere near the 2019-20 season when he was taking nearly eight a game. For a guy who sometimes gets called the best shooting big ever and is playing in the era of the three-point revolution, why isn't he taking eight threes per game? Like, yeah, is that he- a cat thing? It, I, I think it has been more, and but part of it is um, last year he really cut back on the threes a lot and had a lot of success pumping, pump faking on the perimeter and going to the rim and and taking advantage of slower bigs who were covering him and and wreaking his havoc that way. This season, because he's at the four, um, he's still trying to do a lot of the same things, but he is playing against generally smaller, quicker defenders who are having a little easier time staying in front of him than the Steven Adams of the world um, that 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 we saw last year. And so there's that. And then the second part of it is um, he has of all of the players on the Wolves really made it a point to try to get Rudy Gobert involved offensively. Like he's the guy who leads the team in assists to Gobert this season. He's trying to make Gobert feel comfortable. He's trying to almost force feed him a little bit. And that is taken away from his own offense. Um, and, and so I think that that Towns is, is bending over backward to, make Rudy feel welcome and to get him in spots where he can feel comfortable and confident. And it might be at the expense of his own shot taking and shot making. And finally, he just isn't shooting as well as he did last year uh, in, in his career. I think he's at 32% from three um, this season. He's a career like 39, 40% three point shooter. And so he hasn't been as effective. And so I think he's been a little hesitant on at, at times to pull the trigger on that, where he didn't, he's not shooting with the same confidence that he normally does. And you can see it on the floor. He passes up open threes. Um, he's a little more hesitant to do it. And so all of that combined to um, really kind of weigh down what's happening offensively for the wolves that way they need him shooting eight or nine a game and they need him making 38, 37, 39% of them to get some of the spacing in to make this whole thing work. And that hasn't happened yet. So this game against the Grizzlies was just a weird one. It was the first one without cat. They won the game. That's great. But Gobert had one rebound, something that has never happened in his career. If he played more than 15 minutes, the Grizzlies out rebounded the wolves by 30 and lost. John Morant and Dylan Brooks were both ejected in the final minutes. Did you take anything away from how the Wolves played in that game that gives you hope that maybe they could manage without Cat? Or is this just kind of a weird throwaway game? Well, I mean, yeah, it was a weird one. Um, Yeah, I think that the Grizzlies missed 12 free throws and had 27 turnovers as well. Um, So is that going to happen every night? No, it is not going to. Um, but I will say what I will do in terms of giving the wolves credit is they did play much better defense 
um, it against the Grizzlies outside of the rebounding than they have in recent games in that in that three game losing streak. And um, Anthony Edwards was much more involved. I think he had five blocks and three steals or three steals and five blocks. I can't remember what one of the one or the other, but he was very active. Um, they just, they did look, they got out in transition a little bit better and they also got back in transition much better than they normally do. So they, they looked more comfortable playing because they were playing a more conventional style. And, um, the, what the, the, the discomfort that we've seen so far from them has been generally from playing a real unconventional style of basketball and you can see them really thinking hard about it and trying to kind of do the calculus in their brains while they're playing. And it, and it leads to problems. Well, playing against Memphis, it was more natural for them. One big, they spread the floor a little bit more. They had a little bit better spacing. So, and Anthony Edwards was dominant in a way that he has not been very often this season. And so I do think that there is a recipe for them to stay afloat over these next 15, 20, 25 games, however long it is without towns. And that recipe is um, a heavy dose of Anthony Edwards in much more situations where he's comfortable attacking. And then just a team that is able to get back in transition a little bit more effectively when there's only one big on the floor versus having two bigs on the floor. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Well, John, thank you so much for answering our questions. The Wolves' next game is on Saturday against the Oklahoma City Thunder. 
Next, though, it is Andrew versus the Beat, our weekly trivia show where Andrew goes head to head with an NBA beat writer to see who knows the most about, in this case, the Wolves. And John's or uh, Andrew's opponent this week is John Krasinski, beat writer for the Athletic. So, John, how this works? I've come up with eight questions about the Wolves. You'll give me a number between one and eight. It will correspond to a question. If you get it right, you'll get at least two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one. We'll go back and forth until all the questions have been asked and answered. So, John, just start me off with a number between one and eight. One and eight. Um, Let's go two. Question number two. Now, this is a juicy one. You could get five points, John. Ooh, oh, okay. Oh, oh, no. Okay, when Jordan McLaughlin is on the court, the Timberwolves are 20.7 points per 100 possessions better than when he's off the court. According to Cleaning the Glass, that is the sixth best on-off differential in the league. How many of the top five can you name? And you get one point per correct name. Oh, my god. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Let's go. Uh, Luka Doncic? That is incorrect. Ooh. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> now, some of these are so ridiculous. That's why I said you could get five points because mm-hmm. I don't think you will. But some Jason of Jason Tatum? Be. Wow. That is also incorrect. <laughs> wow. Zero points for both of you. Oh, no. Obvious one, Nikola Jokic. Makes sense. Sure. Okay. The, uh, the other obvious one, Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. Those are the two I okay. consider to be, be pretty yeah, obvious. Yeah, yeah. Then we got Kawhi, limited Ooh. minutes, but he oh. is. Isaiah Joe from the Oklahoma Isaiah. City Thunder. Uh, and yeah, Draymond. There's, there's a reason for that. Isaiah and Draymond Joe. Was yeah. <laughs> Draymond Green. Out to okay. Isaiah Joe. All right. Okay, Andrew, zero to zero. You have control of the board. Uh, number one. Question number one. There have been 10 two-man lineups for the Wolves this season that have played at least 300 minutes together. Which two Wolves make up the worst two-man pairing with a minus 4.8 net rating? You get one point per correct name. So this is the worst two-man pairing for the Wolves so far this season. Okay. Who do you think would be in that group? D'Angelo Russell? Very good guess. That is correct for one point. And Cat? That is correct. You got both points, Andrew. Very good. John, back to you. Uh, Let's go number four. Oh, this is a fun one. Jaden and Jalen McDaniels are one of 11 sets of brothers currently in the NBA, and we're going to try to name the other 10. So how this works, John, you're going to give me uh, a name of some brothers in the NBA, and then Andrew will give me some brothers, and we'll go back and forth until one of you stumbles. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Um, uh, the Curries. That is correct, Andrew. Uh, the the Ball brothers. That is, that is right, Lamelo and Lonzo. Back to John. The Antetokounmpo's. Yes, Giannis and Thanasis. Or is it Thanasis? Thanasis. Uh, back to Andrew. What about the Hernan Gomez's? Hmm. Correct. Wancho is on Toronto. Willie is in New Orleans. That is correct. Back to John. Cody and Caleb Martin. Yes. Miami and Charlotte. Back to Andrew. The holidays. Yes, there's three of them. And two of them play for Atlanta. Aaron, Drew, and Justin. Back to John. You guys know your brothers. Man, now I'm running out here. Oh, there's some classic brothers. Are there two good ones? Oh, I know one. Uh, the Lopez brothers. Yes. Brooke and Robin Lopez. Back to Andrew. 
How about the Mobley brothers on the same team? Wow, very mm. good. Yes, Evan and Isaiah Mobley. Man. There's only three left. One you will not get. Two you have a chance to get. I do not have one. Do not have one. All right, Andrew. Insult to injury. You want to just throw one out? Do you know more Vog- brothers? The Wagners. The, the Wagners. Good Franz one. and Mo. Now I'm surprised the, uh, the one the Morris. Yeah, I was going to say Morris Mar- brothers. Marcus and Markeith. Yeah. The yeah. last one, if you had gotten this, is super mm-hmm. impressed because I think both of these guys are on two ways. Julian mm-hmm. and Justin Champagny. <laughs> they are both wow. in the league on two ways, and they are brothers. Nope. All I'm right. aware of that uh, one. <laughs> Andrew, you get a point for that after all of that, and the board is yours. <laughs> okay, number three. Question number three. According to Cleaning the Glass, the Wolves are fourth in half-court defense, but 25th in transition defense, as I mentioned. There's only one team in the league who has a bigger gap between their half-court defense and their transition defense. Which team is it? Mm. The Sixers? That is incorrect. John, you have a chance to steal. Oh, let's see here. I was That was a good guess with the Sixers. I'm going to say Denver. Also incorrect, would you believe it is the Los Angeles Lakers who are second in half-court defense and 30th in transition defense? I would would believe believe that. Absolutely, (laughs) I would believe that. Yeah. Gross. Uh, Okay, John, you are down, but you have control of the board. Let's try lucky number seven. Okay. In his first playoffs, Anthony Edwards set the franchise record for most points scored in a playoff debut with 36. Whose franchise record did he break for the Wolves? Andrew Wiggins? That is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. What about Wally Zerbiak? <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, no, that's wrong. <laughs> it was uh, Stefan Marbury. Stefan uh, Marbury with 28 points. Oh, interesting. Yes. Okay, Andrew, control the board is yours. Number five. <laughs> okay, a lot has been made of Rudy Gobert's offense over the years. What is Rudy's career high in points for a single game? You get to choose who answers first. If you answer first, John will say higher or lower. Or you can make John answer first, and then you go higher or lower, but you risk him knowing the exact number that Rudy scored in this game. 31 points. Andrew goes with 31. So, John, you just have to say higher or lower than that. Did Rudy score more than 31 points? I'm going to go lower. Rudy Gobert. Once upon a time, scored thirty-five points. Oh, in the yes. NBA basketball game! Nice, Andrew. Congrats to him. That's a tough one because it, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to imagine him scoring a ton of points at a thirty-five. Is a ton of points for Rudy Gobert. Yeah. A ton. Uh, okay, John. There's two questions left. Six and eight. Yikes! What a poor showing for me. Uh, number eight. Who currently leads the Wolves in three-point percentage? I should absolutely know this. Let's see here. Um, oh, it, Torian Prince. Uh, he is very close, but that is not correct. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Andrew? Um, gosh. Any guesses? Three-point sniper on the team. Who is it? I don't think this is right, but this is just the name that is bouncing on my brain. Is Jaden McDaniels? Jane McDaniels, uh, I don't know if it's a good guess or not. It's wrong. <laughs> uh, the correct answer, shooting 42.9% right now, Kyle Anderson. Ah. Slow-mo. 
Yeah, he oh. had a good game the other night. It must have bumped up because it's low volume. So, yeah. Yes, it is. I was going to say, mm-hmm. he doesn't take many threes. Yeah, he yeah. went two for four, so it must have done it. Yeah. All right, Andrew, the final question. You get first stab at this. The okay. Timberwolves have two players who have taken at least 100 free throws so far this season, Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. There's three other teams, Boston, Houston, and Miami, who also have two guys who have taken at least 100 free throws. Only one team, however, has three guys who have each taken at least 100 free throws. Who is that team? The Bulls? That is incorrect, John. Can you read it one one more time for me, Alex? Yeah, so there's one team in the league who has three guys who have each taken at least 100 free throws so far this season. They're the only team who who could say that. And you said, and so then the there was, but then you listed two that were, or three that were, had two. Well, the, so the, yeah, the Wolves, Boston, Houston, and Miami each have two guys who have okay. done that. But then there's this one team that has three guys. Mm. So yeah, I, I have I have narrowed it down for you. No Wolves, yes. Boston, Houston, or Miami. Right. Let's see here. What is a team that, oh man, they get to the line a lot. Um, I'm going to say Philadelphia. So that's who I thought it was going to be. But because those guys haven't been healthy, yeah, it has not been. Would you believe it is the New York Knicks, Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, and R.J. Barrett? I would not uh. believe that. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah, that is weird. Andrew, congratulations mm. on the win this week on Wolves Trivia of Andrew versus the Beat. <laughs> Go check out John Krasinski on The Athletic, always writing great stuff. John, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, Andrew, the Timberwolves roller coaster has come to the end of the roller coaster line or whatever <laughs> the end of the roller coaster is called. <laughs> and it's time to spin the wheel again. Oh, let's spin we, the wheel. Uh, we have 24 teams remaining still so many teams you can pick yeah uh the, the wheel right before i start spinning it is on dallas wouldn't that be spicy after all the talk we just had okay let's spin the wheel this week our wheel of phantom team will be the phoenix Suns, which means that we get that Phoenix Boston game next Wednesday on ESPN. Thank you. That's a great spin. That's a great spin. That's that's a spin that I like. I actually, Booker has been on one lately. He has been one one of the best players in the league this season. Um, Yeah, I'm very intrigued to dig in on the Phoenix Suns. Very, very Well, I'm we'll glad they have now. that. Oh, look at that. A, okay, so they do have the Boston game. They start off with Houston and San Antonio. So those might be uh, snoozers. We'll see. We'll yeah, see. snoozers. And then Dallas at Dallas, NBA yeah. TV on Monday. Wow. And then the okay. big Boston game on Wednesday. That's great. Those are two good ones back to back. That's that. Give, give me those two. That's going to be great. Uh, go leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll read it right here at the end of the show. Uh, this one comes from Nathan T29. Says the only podcast I listen to on the feed is the Saturday Slam and Jam. Shout out to Andrew and Alex for talking about the league in a way that makes you want to listen in one sitting and make you sad when the episode is over. I especially love the commentary on every team, especially the small market Spurs, Thunder Pacers, and Pistons of the world. Andrew versus the Beat is the best NBA podcast segment out there. And always fun to see how many answers I know or what quirky stats I can learn about NBA history. 
Keep up the good work, men, and I hope you guys have a wonderful holiday season. Thank you so much for that very, very kind review. This next review comes from Dude Buffet in the United States. Shout out to the amazing hosts. Alex, as a game show host, you bring the swagger of a young Mike O'Malley and the amount of time and effort you put into segments like which team was a preseason surprise good team that is fake that will also actually be bad now would be considered a huge waste of time by my father, but you have turned it into an actual job, and I am proud of you for that, dude. And Andrew, Mike? what can be what can be said? What? Wait, wasn't Mike O'Malley the host of Nickelodeon Guts? Yes, he was. Yeah. Oh man, that's cool. I loved Guts. That's an that's honor right. to be compared a, to Mike O'Malley. That's a huge honor. Uh, and what could be said about you, Andrew, that hasn't already been said about Tom Hanks? You are the engine that wait, makes this whole on, thing go. Wait, hold on, hold on a second. Wait, I mean, I know I just said it's nice to get compared to Mike O'Malley, but you're getting compared to Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks seems to be a bit <laughs> of a gap there. Between <laughs> the basketball and analysis and trivia knowledge is second to none, and you deliver your information in a perfect podcast voice, gentle yet firm, like my favorite uncle reading me a bedtime story. <laughs> the magic was inside of you the entire time. Thank you for your gifts you have shared with the athletic and with all of us. May we always rise together from Dude Buffet. Thank you for that review. Uh, we have one more. This comes from at Miguel Pelagrosa in Canada. Uh, it says, this is a script that requires both of you. Oh my gosh, I don't have this pulled up for you. Let me let me pause and send this to Alex and see if we can read this. I'll, let me text it to you real quick, Alex, because this is, uh, we're getting some very creative five-star reviews. Here for the Saturday Did you know Slam that the there was a there was a guts Super NES game? And uh, you can, you can yes. compete for the aggro crag in the game. I did I did know that. Uh, I did huh. not I did not own it. Surprisingly not. I had a ton of Super Nintendo games. Uh, okay, did you get this script? Are you ready? Uh yes. Okay. Let's go with number five. Number five, okay, how many stars should listeners give Saturday Slam and Jam if they want the review read on the air? Um, two? Andrew, that is incorrect. The correct answer is five, five stars. Andrew, that might be your worst guess to date. To be fair, I'm reading a script that a listener wrote. <laughs> Andrew, that is no excuse, my friend. <laughs> Eric Dampier? What about him? You're not making any sense. I'm reading off a script. Lawrence Funderburk. I'm reading off the same script, Andrew, and I'm making perfect sense. Mike from Toronto loves the show and gives us five stars. Thank you, Mike. Keon Dueling. <laughs> That's the best one yet. Thank you so much for sending those reviews in. If you want yours read on the show, leave us a five-star review, and we'll read it at the end of the show. You guys enjoy your weekend and the basketball, and we will talk to you guys again next week.